The last few months have been really, really difficult for the theater community across the world as we lost Stephen Sondheim in 2021 toward the end of the year. And now we have just lost the incredible James Rado, one of the co-creators of the musical Hair, a, a musical that defined a generation. Hair was not just a Broadway musical. It was mainstream. It was controversial. And it inspired a lot of the works we know and love today. Following COVID shutting down most theaters as they reopened up around the Suncoast, Oslo Rep did a production of this groundbreaking show. Today, I had the chance to sit down with Oslo Rep's producing artistic director, Michael Donald Edwards, and he talked about what this production means to him personally and to the audience who came to see it. I'm Melissa Ratliff, and this is The Lead. Hi, guys. It's Melissa with uh, ABC7, the digital content manager here. We've already well established that I am a huge theater nerd. And um, we're going to be talking about we had a, tr- a tremendous loss in the theater community when we lost James Rado, who was part of the creative team, books and lyrics, obviously, Jerome Ragney, James Rado, uh, Gal McDermott. I think I'm ble- I believe I'm saying that correctly, um, of Hair, which was, it, to, as cliche as it sounds, one of the most revolutionary musicals of its time. And um, also Lorep just recently did a production of it. Josh Rhodes, who directed and choreographed it, who's done like six or seven shows with us, a major director choreographer, and um, set design. Anna Luisnos, who has done a number of Broadway shows, her conception of it too was really incredible. Very, very proud of the production and to reconnect with the meaning of this piece and why it seemed incredibly right to do it now as part of this season uh, and an, a curious relationship with the musical we have on right now because we've all been talking about it as the grandchild of hair this new musical hood uh, similar vibe similar relationship of young people connecting looking at the world and being dismayed and what can they do to make it better and um, James Rado and Jerry Ragney they were living at a time at the 60s in New York uh, becoming aware of this countercultural movement before it even had a name. The word hippie didn't exist, but they were part of rediscovering it on the streets of New York. And they gave voice to uh, generations' anxieties, concerns, disgust with the Vietnam War and where things were going, and really felt they, they felt an urgent need to create a show and write this music that expressed who they were and what was going on in the world. And they never really thought it would be significant. They weren't attempting to create a great work of art or a significant thing. They just knew they had to give voice to what they were seeing and thinking and feeling. And the result was hair. And a lot of really interesting stuff about it that it coincided. This is before Stonewall. This is before, this is like the, the mid-60s, early mid-60s when they start to do this, when the, 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 this whole idea of a new generation coming out of the 50s in the Western world, a very, very different idea with young people. And that, I mean, it's hard to think that, that at that time the public theatre didn't, didn't exist but there was no public theatre. And they gave their, presented to Joe Papp the book and, and the idea, some of the songs and everything for him. And he said, well, I don't have a space yet, but if I get it soon, I want this to be the first show. So the idea that that building on Lafayette, which was a school, it got turned into the home of the public theatre, that Hare was the very first show done there. 
the theatre that's gone on to do Chorus Line and all kinds of things. Hamilton as well, yeah. Hamilton, that hair was the beginning of that, you know, that idea that art could be contemporary, you know, and it's really the first musical of, of our generation that the songs ended up on the top 40, that the songs ended up connecting to the culture in a way that uh, musicals no longer did. Musicals were really great songs for the previous generation, but not necessarily the songs for the current generation. And, and as Hair, you know, appeared on Broadway, it was still surrounded by these more classical, yes. per se, musicals. I can't, yeah. I can't remember who won the Tony of the year but that year. Um, but it I remember was 1776 yeah. won the Tony the, that yeah, year. Yeah, that's, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it, I'm like, as, as traditional a musical as you can get yes. up against this very groundbreaking, uh, this this music, this tribal love rock musical, which I, I adore that they call it that. but. Yes. Man, it is it, it's such a huge loss. It was a, it was an, a game changer. So we I'm glad we got to talk about that. So what what was when you when you uh, the theater decided to do this? Yes. The, and what was the it, reasoning and what did you well, hope to bring you know, to the table? Hair uh, on a personal level, hair uh, was a very important uh, part of my personal journey, which I saw in Sydney in, um, it was either 68 or 69. It was went to Australia very quickly. It went around the world very quickly. Everybody, we all knew about it. We all had the album. Uh, and um, and not just we were in the theatre, but as part of why I went into the theatre was seeing hair. Uh, I recognised myself. I found my tribe. I looked at that and I, you know, it was I recognised that tribal connection that was not my parents' world. And so this was, and then to, uh, this almost 50 years later, to get to produce it in a new context and feel that it was, the story was again really timely and the music is something so beloved and to have a whole new generation of people in their 20s go, this music is fantastic. I love this music. This is, I, I, I see why it was so effective. Um, so it was great to... Uh, that idea, I mean, uh, the director said to me, well, you're the perfect person to talk about hair then and now. And I said, well, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> because I have lived long enough to go, yeah, th this really uh, shaped my thinking about what theatre could be and I was still young enough to not have made too many decisions about what it could be. So it's definitely part of my thinking. Even though I went into doing a lot of Shakespeare and opera, Hair, that idea, that nature of the event really affected what it could feel like to be in the theatre. Absolutely. So so what elements, and, and I know you weren't directing the show, but what elements were you hoping that would carry over to, the, the, the message that would carry over to our present time period? What were, what were the elements you hoped well, I the audience walked away with the most? The, the thing was that was revolutionary about hair was, the, and even though we look at it now and we go, this, uh, the way it thinks about gender, women, r roles, of, of, about sexuality, relationship to the power structure, I mean, looking at or not necessarily thinking authority is automatically right, really challenging some fundamental things, primarily because of the Vietnam War. It was the beginning of an, an automa not automatically trusting everything the government said. And that was part of that, and, and, but also committing to the idea that there's a big idea about being American. There's a big project here of what it is to be American. And at the heart of it, it's not just about 
following certain ideas, but it's also about accepting people who are different, accepting the idea that the idea of American is so welcoming, so large, it can accommodate multitudes. And, uh, And that, Hare kind of said that. There's going to be all kinds of different body types, all kinds of, uh, I mean, they did come up with this, Timothy O'Leary, don't trust anyone under 30, and the stage was filled with people who were, in fact, un- under 30. And uh, But there was a big part of that generation that resisted what hair was about, and there was a big societal division being uncovered at that time, which is still with us. This division is still with us. And I think now hair can be part of recognizing, okay, that's where the divisions really opened up. We can look at them and we can address them and maybe bring bring everybody together with this unified, a more unified and accepting idea of what it is to be American. And I know that that's what happened on stage in our production, that we had this young, wonderfully diverse um and I think they actually, their voices are better than I remember the original because the young talent now, they can sing and dance and have all kinds of abilities that we didn't have in my generation when we were coming out. We didn't have that kind of training. We didn't have that kind of awareness of, of what dance and, and music could be. Um, Hamilton could never have happened in my time as a young person. Hamilton has happened because the history of the theatre in the last 50 years has made it possible. Um, as well as the the raw tan, so I see a direct connection between uh, Hare and Hamilton. They had a similar revolutionary. I put Jesus Christ Superstar in there somewhere as well, or that was pretty uh, not, not not long after Hare. Um, but Hare and Hamilton are related. I think Lin Manuel Miranda would be one of the first people to say that, and they had a similar impact on the culture, on the nature of the theatre, and everyone had to see it, even people that didn't fully understand it. And there is, you know, the theatre is now, we're in a post-Hamilton world in terms of how we think about who tells the story, whose story is it. That is all now being looked at in a new and exciting way. And Hare was the first part of that. Yeah. And and, just to further your point here, since I I do love Hare and I love Hamilton, it's amazing the way it has crossed over into popular culture. But both had that effect to where the people, even the people who make fun of theater kids in school, they're, they're, they're on the internet loving these songs yes. and, and carrying them into life. Are there any other shows recently in, in, in you know, the modern life that well, you I think say has rent, followed? I yeah. think Rent, rent. Would, would, uh, rent is connected to hair, probably Dear Evan Hansen in a certain way, but in a, in a narrower narrower way, if you think of the idea of popular music. Dreamgirls is another one where popular music was, re- it, it wasn't necessarily the Broadway sound. It was a mix of Broadway sound and popular. They're kind of, that, you know, we there is a particular Broadway sound now that we all recognise, and it doesn't mean it's not contemporary. There's all kinds of new ways of thinking about what a musical can and should be. This one we're doing, I mean, Come From Away has, a, you know, a, a folk pop rock sound, and its vocabulary is not necessarily Rodgers and Hamstein, and even though they're influenced by that, but that's it's a much more contemporary sound. The one we're doing right now, Hood, Douglas Carter-Bean and Lewis Flynn owes a tremendous amount to hair. I mean, in its music, in its musical style, and its you know some of them could be pop songs, but also in its basic 
point and thrust about acceptance and engagement and recognizing injustice in the world and saying, you know what, we don't have to put up with it. We can, but in a light, fun, engaging way that everybody feels really grateful that they came to the theater. And, you know, hair, it's, I don't think it's, there's ever going to be anything quite like the seismic cultural event that hair was. I mean, it was, it, it's hard for people to, actually realize people were flock people were driving i drove from melbourne to sydney which is as far from la there was a whole group we, there were caravans of cars of young people in we had to get to sydney to see hair and so but these were and this is like we'd never been to the professional theater before we suddenly thought, oh, it's for us. And, you know, and the older generation, they're not that old. People in their 40s were old, for God's sake. Um, and we now know that's practically adolescence now. And, uh, that's what uh, I keep telling myself. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> At 38, yes. I'm like, I'm still but it's, the it, new 20. It, and it, we, that it was a, a shared event. You know, it's because everything is so broken down now. I mean, it's hard to say that there's any particular musical style or group that everybody is listening to. But everyone listened to Hair. Everybody had to have that album and listen, And various different groups. I mean, it, it wasn't the cast that made it to the top 40. It was, I can't remember them now, but it's like it was in the top 40 with, oh, it, what's, what's it, the Fifth Dimension? Yeah, the Fifth Dimension, yes. The Fifth Dimension. I think it got Aquarius to number one. Yeah, yes, yeah, they yeah, got yeah, to quite. number one. And they're all going, Fifth Dimension? What is that? <laughs> I thought that was a French movie. No, it was, a, it was a band. It was a band. No, it's really, let's just say he's a great loss. He was 90. And the purpose of remembering right now is to say he will never be forgotten. Yeah, we've he had and, such and loss Jerome, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and last year, yeah, yeah. And Stephen Sondheim. They, these are figures that will never be forgotten. They're embedded in the culture now, even if you don't remember their names. They are embedded in the culture. It's always, always with us. I appreciate that. Um, I, I want to respect your time, so let me just ask this one thing: when when audiences locally came to see this show, and I'm sure you had, what, what were the variety of ages and what was the reaction? We, we definitely had a younger cohort coming to the theatre and the younger people were, the more brilliant and moved they were. There were some older subscribers who had seen the original and were reminded of what it felt like and were really grateful to revisit it. Uh, some were disturbed at how deeply political it was that it was that it was actually about something they expected it just to be a fun event and people were a little surprised as they always are when we really do these things honestly and truthfully that it asked a lot of questions about what the american character actually is what it means to say you have character and what is the american character and who decides and who uh, who who is using that and i th i think it ended up uh, making a plea for engagement and uh, acceptance and tolerance that surprised people in a, in a powerful way. That it wasn't just, it had a lot of lightness, it had a lot of heart. Um, and I think it was a range of things from that's not the hair I remember to I had no idea this show was so powerful and meaningful. And that is his legacy. And it's it's wonderful that we will always have James Rideau and, you know, Jerome Ragney and, and you know, th that those legacies 
with this work lasting forever? And if I may ask you one final question, what is your favorite uh, moment or song from here? If you can pick one, if you can pick one. Well, I, I know a lot of the songs off by heart. I, I think Frank Mills is something that I sing with people in the car and and that tune has really gone in. But I, of course, I love Aquarius and I love Good Morning Starshine and I, I love so many of those uh, and the hair I could sing hair for you the whole I know all the lyrics to that but Frank Mills for some reason which is not really connected to the story that tune and that idea and knowing now the Waverley Theatre and understanding the village and knowing the world in which that was created I just you know I love when she says tell him Angela and I don't want the two dollars back just him it's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it gets Keep that every time. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, as an Aquarius, I know we're speaking the age of Aquarius, but that is my um, my anthem I have chosen from here, just because. But yeah, the, it's, the music will last forever, and I thank you so much for stopping by uh, and thank expressing you for that. for doing this and and engaging and recognizing that what we do is and what he did is part of a cultural story that we want to include people. Yeah. So thank you for doing it. You guys, thank you guys so much for coming. And yeah, James Rado, he, he may have started like Broadway and, and changed Broadway, but that ripple effect comes down all the way to the Sun Coast. It's, it goes everywhere across the world anytime anyone hears this show. And that's what all artists can hope for, I think. Yes. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it. A pleasure. All right. Thanks so much to everybody for listening to The Lead. Obviously, just an incredible loss for the theater community, James Rado passing away at the age of 90, one of the co-creators of one of the most influential musicals of the 1960s and 70s. And a very special thank you to Oslo Low Theater's producing artistic director, Michael Donald Edwards, for coming out and talking about the production they did, as well as Rado's legacy. From the ABC7 Pod Squad in beautiful Sarasota, Florida, this is Melissa Ratliff, and you have been listening to The Lead.